Punches and bunches of numbers. Now he's going for the takedown. He scores the takedown, but he's got to be careful. He's caught a guillotine, Frank. One minute. He's got to get his head out. His neck is caught. He is caught. Yeah. He tapped out. Oh, he went for the takedown and got caught in the guillotine. Damian Brown seizing the opportunity with his opponent going for a takedown, able to get the guillotine choke, surprising Darren Crookshank. Hey everybody, you're listening to the We Are Rising podcast. This is your host, Andrew Benjamin, and I'm joined once again by a returning guest. Uh, I'm joined by Damian Beatdown Brown, fresh off his win from Ryzen 14. Uh, he tapped out Darian Crookshank in a lightweight match in the first round, 4 minutes and 10 seconds. Damian, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay today. Uh, first off, Happy New Year. Uh, you're probably, uh, it's, it's, it's a great way to start off 2019 with a, uh, with a win. How do you feel now, uh, that you, you did your rise and went off so spectacularly? I feel amazing, man. Um, I mean, you know, there's, there's bringing 2019 in with, with a victory and, um, you know, it's the first victory since my son was born, which is, is kind of been a bit of, you know, sort of hung over my head. Um, yeah, man, I, I feel unreal. Cloud nine for sure. Uh, so uh, let's just uh, let's just talk about uh, let's talk about your fight. Um, for your first time uh, fighting Japan, that's correct, right? Yeah. How was it? I've been to Japan. Oh well, how was it? How was it? How did you feel fighting in front of that almost thirty thousand people and just the reception that you got? Just talk about a little bit about that. It, it was uh, different. Is probably the easiest way to put it. Um, I mean, you know, there's thirty thousand Westerners, and then there's thirty thousand Asian fans, and the and the the volume is vastly different. I mean, there's uh, they were silent, like twenty nine thousand people, and they were absolutely silent. Mm-hmm. If that was uh, in America or in Australia, it would have been nuts. Some people would have been drinking, and everyone would have been hectic, would have been super loud. So yeah, it was it was definitely a a very different experience compared to what I've ha- ever had. Um, and, um, you know, th- they were certainly noisy when they cheer or like after the fight and after finishing that, but um, it was a surreal experience, that's for sure. Did it, did it put you off their silence? Just that, just that quietness within the arena? Was that, did that? Um, 
I don't think so. I think, um, if anything, it sort of excited me because it was different, because the whole thing was different. It wasn't just like, uh, you know, normal crowd, but a bigger promotion. It was like the whole thing was different. So it was all exciting and new and... Um, it didn't really put me off. It's it sort of, um, I found it really um, comforting, if anything. It wasn't very intimidating or anything like that. So, hmm. so you're able to hear your corner clearly as opposed to fighting Australia and America where you may not be sure if you're even, if you're even hearing your uh, corner correctly? So I, ne- I never have a drama here in my corner. Um, I could be the 30,000 people in America and I'd still hear my corner perfect. But I could hear like the four or five Aussies that were in the crowd that were yelling out all sorts of crazy stuff. I could hear them clear as day. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can hear things like that, which I normally wouldn't hear. Mm-hmm. So that was different. Uh, so, yeah, let's, let's talk about the fight. Um, let's first talk about how were you feeling right before you went through the curtain and uh, Lenny Hart screamed your name? Um, well, right before I went through, all my nerves and everything had gone away, and I, was, I that's about when I switch when I switch on. If I'm not switched on then, then something's wrong. So I switch on just before my name's about to be called, and that's when I sort of go into a different like headspace, and um, and I just felt I felt comfort. You know, I felt uh, when my name was called and I went up on that stage, I felt comfort. I felt like um, super relaxed. Um, but very excited at the same time, and I just felt good, man. Like there was something about this, there was something about this fight that was um, that felt. It, it's funny, it felt a lot like my first fight in America. There was something about this fight that felt like no matter what went wrong, everything was going to be all right, mm-hmm. and the fight was going to work out, and that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. So what? What? Let us talk about the fight. Um... It, it was it was all stand up until the very end. But let's talk about the the stand up portion. Um, it seemed like uh, your tin your shin was being tested by Darren. Uh, he got a a nice spinning elbow or spinning back fist on you. Um, can you just talk about that? Uh, yeah, it looked like it hurt a lot, but you didn't go down. Um, yeah, just talk about like. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I've I've been tested in the gym, man. Um, you know, like. Uh, you know, I'm a veteran of this sport. I've been around 10 years. I've been tested in the gym more than I've been tested in fights. Um, I know that I can take a shot. I've had 30 pro fights. I've only been knocked out twice, and both of them were flash knockdowns. So, uh, you know, I was confident that no matter what he hit me with, unless it was a clean shin bone to the to the head or something like that, that I'd be able to take his best shots. Um, that spin and back fist was as clean as it gets. Mm. I mean... It smacked me right in the side of the face. And I think um, had I not attempted to duck under it, it probably would have got me right on the bottom of the jawline and potentially might have been a different outcome. But it was – I never seen it set up. I never seen him throw it. And I, and I never I never seen it at all until it hit me. Because it looks like he goes for a left hook and you duck that left hook and then that's when he goes for it. As if he was – I looked like he was kind of – well, before that, he 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 went to go for a takedown on you, but you oh no, you went for a takedown on him, I believe, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, he just punched. He just he rushes forward. He tends to rush forward, so he'll throw three or four punches real quick, followed by a head kick. That's that's his game, mm-hmm. and uh, and so he just rushed forward like he normally does, which we predicted, and and it's something that we picked up, 
and then we'd shoot for the takedown. So our entire game plan was just not to not to go backwards. Just no matter what we did, do not go backwards. So that's not what I stuck to. And um, you know, when he rushed in, I shot for the takedown. But yeah, um, a little after that's when he hit me with the spin back fist, and he set it up perfectly. Um, uh, you know, the best setup strikes one that you don't see set up and one that you don't see coming. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it didn't. I wouldn't say it rocked me. It definitely made everything sort of for for probably like a second or maybe a second and a half. It made everything a bit like, where am I? Mm-hmm. I guess it rocked me. It was um, I just had to compose myself and find my bearings. And um, you know, we backed up to the ropes and. It gave me enough time for him to run in with a flying knee, mm-hmm. and I just um, covered up and checked with the knee, and then we and I wrapped him up. And um, by the time I wrapped him up, I, I knew exactly what was going on. Did you Did you get to look at the fight on video um, by now? Yeah, I've watched it about eight times. Um, yeah, because because after that, you he put you you go to the corner, and that's when he's pressuring you against the corner. And like you said, that's where you don't want to end up with him, because then that's that's how. That's how you can. That's how you get knocked out by him, because then he, you're just you're just open to all the punches. It, it's it's funny. That's where we wanted him. Oh, that's where you wanted him. We wanted him in clinch range. Oh. So our entire our entire game plan was to be inside kicking range. So I wanted to be in boxing range, in the pocket, in the clinch, or on the ground, just not at kicking range. If you're at kicking range, he knocks you out. So, um. Yeah, our entire game plan was to be in there. Um, so when he rushed in with that flying knee, he put himself where we wanted him. So that's why I was able to tie him up. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to, you know, regain my composure and um, and push on from there. Mm-hmm. So um, and, and then, then right, as soon as he gave me distance, I started pushing forward again. And then right after that, you two uh, went back to the middle, and then you kicked him, and it looked like in the ankle. And that and that made him fall down. That made him lose his balance. Did that surprise you? That that no, he... no, not at all. I mean, that's a calf kick. Uh, that's one of my probably my best weapons. I broke in my last fight. I broke the guy's uh, fib uh, fibula with it. Like I, I broke a guy's leg with that in the last fight. Like that's that's my go-to, um, you know, leg kick. Uh, it's. I think you see it a lot more in sports these days, that lower calf kick. Mm-hmm. They're very painful, very damaging, and they have a uh, you know, really good impact. Mm-hmm. So um, it didn't surprise me that he um, that it swept him. It didn't surprise me that he hit the deck. It surprised me how quick he got back up. Mm-hmm. So is it more is it more like a is it is it like a trip in a way or is it just or is it's a direct kick um, to the ankle because it seems like it's a little bit of a combination no, it's of both. A, it's a direct kick to the calf muscle. Like if you've got full weight on it, it it'll break your leg. Okay. Um, it's a direct kick to the calf muscle, and um, it's a little bit like the kick that um, Brett Primus beat Michael Chandler with. Oh yes, I remember that. Yeah. You know, you kick that leg. All sorts of things happen once you kick below the knee. Whether mm-hmm. it's broken bones or there's not much muscle there, uh, there's nerves close to the skin, so you lose function of your ankles. And um, it's a pretty lethal kick. I don't know why people don't use it a lot more. I, I was um, just about to ask that. I, I, it seems like more more people go for the um, the above the knee rather than below the which knee, which is weird, right? Because you need to close the distance more. Because above the knee is another two or three inches away from you. So if you can use the maximum amount of reach, why not? 
so that's you know that's that's where it helps me i don't have the best reach but that's that's where i can touch you and not get touched from and then right after that it looked like he went for a, a calf kick as well uh, unless i'm wrong and then he that that caused you to fall down as well was that a calf kick to you um no he kicked he kicked my upper leg and then the second time he went to kick it lower but i checked it but i lazy checked it uh. and um he kicked my leg out from under me. Okay, I'm watching it now. Yeah, okay, I see that now. Uh, did it, now he all, he's having he has you in a in a headlock, um, but it's definitely not a guillotine at all. Were you, you were you at all? Did you knew? Did you think you were at all in any danger being in that position with him? No. Um. There's no way he could have submitted me. There's a. Uh, I was, I was never that. My biggest danger from that position was him throwing a head kick, mm-hmm. but letting me go or moving my head to the side, shucking my head to the side and head kicking me. That was my biggest danger. But as long as he wanted to wrestle, I was safe there. Mm-hmm. And then you two, uh, for for about uh, fifteen twenty seconds, started kind of uh, swinging and banging, as they say. Um, yeah. Was that uh, was was that also part of the game plan? Was to try to was to try to go swing and bang with him? So my entire game plan was to get inside kicking range. Mm-hmm. And if I need to stand and trade, I'd stand and let the leather go. And then, um, you know, I was happy to trade with him. I'd mm-hmm. stand there and trade with him all night if he wanted to. Um, and, uh, and, when the, and, and we were confident when the fight went to the mat, that's when we would get the victory. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, no, when, I, when we were having the, uh, the preview show for the, uh, for the card... I said that that if there's any way that you can beat him, it would be on the ground, and then that's exactly what happened right after that. He went for a takedown, and did did you did he put his head to the side, or did you adjust position to get that that guillotine in? A little, a little of both. I think he went to he went to kind of he went for that double and kind of went to cut the angle. Mm-hmm. But that's my go-to submission. And so. What- uh, I land that submission in the gym all the time. We drilled it and drilled it and drilled it for this fight mm-hmm. because I believe that his takedowns, um, he sometimes he mistimes them, and when he shoots, he shoots with his head down, not with his head up. So mm-hmm. like a D1 wrestler will shoot with their head up with real good posture. He shoot he shoots with uh, you know sort of his posture's compromised when he shoots, and that's really easy to set up the guillotine off. Hmm. And um, if, if there's one thing we can learn from Ryzen 14, is that it seems like a lot of wrestlers tend to put their heads where they shouldn't be putting them. Yeah, I think they, I think they just... Um, I think the thing is that a lot of wrestlers, when they, when they tend to get hold of your hips, they forget that all those chokes and that are there. I mean, they, they seem to think that... Um, you know, once they once they sort of get part, get hold of your hips, then the like I, I guess they the, their awareness of chokes is that front choke position. You know that that head arm, mm-hmm. and and once they get the hips, that goes away. Mm-hmm. So they forget about the guillotines and stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, we it was a little bit of me adjusting. Um, I just had to be aware that when he shot. If I got my grip together with my hands, I needed to hit the floor on my hip, and that's exactly what happened. Well, because it looks like it looks like you're almost it almost looked like you were going to turn over, and then he would be on he would be on his back. That's why I thought it looked like you were going for it, because uh, I wasn't so sure if it was totally in when I first saw it. But it looked like you were leaning a little bit towards uh, a little bit towards your side. Was that 
something you're planning on possibly doing as well to try to get him on the do like um, a um, Joseph Benavides type of guillotine joke? No, I mean the thing for me with the, with the guillotine chokes is like it, it's it's something that I drill a lot, mm-hmm. and I can land it, and I can use it to sweep, to hip escape, um, get back to my feet, to change positions, like to you know hip escape out to a north south or. I use it so much that I've drilled it from so many positions and to get so many outcomes that that, that it wouldn't have mattered what he did, whether he, he could have rolled all the way to the defense and I would have took him out. He could have, uh, he could have done that handstand cartwheel pass that he tries to do every time he gets in the guillotine mm-hmm. and I would have followed it over. I mean, I drilled it so much because I was so confident in a, you know, a respectful and non-arrogant way. Mm. I was very confident that if, I pressured him enough. He would shoot for a takedown. Okay. Ah, uh, and uh, yeah, you did. You know it was locked in as soon as soon as uh you got your 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 arm in there. Yeah, man. That that bad boy was locked in before I hit the ground. And uh, anything I had to do once I hit the ground was I had to adjust my legs and my hips. And uh, you tapped out Darren Crookshank, and then right after that. They gave you a microphone, which actually I was surprised about because they weren't giving really anybody mic time by this point, except for uh, I think the only the only person they gave mic time was Miyu Yamamoto. But they gave you a microphone and you called out Takanori Gomi, and yeah, man, is that is that still what you you're aiming for next? Uh, look, you know, I, the thing the thing is I, I don't call anyone out normally, you know, and I, I find it somewhat disrespectful sometimes, but um. You know, I was warming up and I seen him on the TV. Uh, I knew he was in the crowd. Um, you know, Gomi's a legend, man. It'd be an absolute honor to to share the mat with him. But um, you know, if it doesn't happen, I'm not I'm not disappointed by it. I mean, he's you know, ten years ago, he was one of, if not the best in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, he's definitely not that anymore, and that's not disrespectful. That's just uh, that's just fact. That's where his career's at, and um, you know. I don't want to be that guy that beats Gomi and he's like, you know, he's seven and out of the last eight he's lost or something. I don't really want to be that guy, but mm-hmm. yeah, it would be an absolute honor to, to um, share the ring with him. So um, if it happens, it happens. Uh, the other thing I want to also ask you about is uh, the post-fight uh, comments that uh, Darren Crookshank uh, said. Uh, have you had a chance to read or see what he said after the fight? Not 100%. I know he said something about... Um, he didn't lose the fight. Uh, he didn't. I didn't win the fight. He lost it. Oh uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. He basically. I'm gonna find the exact quote. Uh, uh, but I beat myself. He didn't beat me. When he was asked about uh about his opponents uh evaluating you your uh his opponent. Um, it's the quickest and, quickest way to discredit and disrespect your opponent, isn't it? Well, is, uh, you did you did put out a tweet today. Uh, I thought that was in reference to that. Was that what you were talking about when uh? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. He he could be playing pro wrestler for all we know. He does. He has a tendency to be a little bit uh exaggerated and over the top when he's uh giving a microphone. Oh, uh, the thing is, it was it was straight after the fight, so I can kind of understand. You know, maybe he was a bit emotional or whatever. But he um he was really respectful to me at the event. Um, he was super nice to me the next morning. Um, so. I have no reason to believe that there's, you know, any, like, malice or disrespect in it. But mm-hmm. I just find, like, 
it a bit funny after a victory that um, your self-assessment of your performance is that you only lost because you lost yourself. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. he, you know, I don't know. I just find it funny. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, but uh, he... a, Sorry, go ahead. A respectful, sort of honest person would say, I probably didn't need to go for the takedown, but I did, and I left my head down. He capitalised on a bad position. Like, you, you would actually say, I messed up. Not, I messed up and I lost. He didn't win. Mm-hmm. So... Well, he, he before that uh, he did also say that uh, that you can take a beating and that you've got old man old man strength. He said, "I've got old man strength." Yes. Wait, oh, sorry, I missed that. What was the first uh, bit he said? The uh, the this is the entire question. The question was impression of opponent. Um, and he replied back, "He's tough. He's slow. I saw everything he was throwing." He can take a beating, and he's got that old man strength for sure. <laughs> oh, man, he was quicker than me, man, that's for sure. Um, but I was just warming up. I mean, it's, it's – I never – I mean, you can look at any single one of my fights. It's the same – it's the same pace from start to finish. Um, I think Conor McGregor probably said it best about all those spinning tacti- tactics and uh, spinning techniques and that. You know, they're not energy efficient. Mm-hmm. Right? You can't just throw them. Like, if you look at the Diaz and McGregor 1 fight, McGregor went out there spinning after everything. Yeah. And he got tired quickly, and Diaz wore down on him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's exactly what would have happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, he spun right from the get-go, and you can only spin so much. Spinning back fists, spinning elbows, you know, spinning wheel kicks, spinning back kicks. I mean, they're like energy-consuming moves. There's only so many of those you can throw before you begin to slow down. And, I mean, he can throw them all night, but he can't throw them at the same pace as he was in the first round. And uh, I think after the first couple of times of clinching and wrestling, um, I started to sense that he was slowing down. He wasn't tired, but he was definitely slowing down. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he opened up the fight with like an eight-punch-kick combo or something like that. So, um, for me... He wasn't throwing them anymore. It was like one twos, you know. It was just setting up single shots with lots of feints, and I felt like he was starting to slow down. But you know, I just keep keep with their game plan, and that was just to move forward, put pressure on him. I mean, you don't need to outstrike someone to force them to do something. You just need to intimidate them. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, uh, I just felt like we were doing that. He 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 has finished all of his opponents by by some sort of knockout or TKO in in, uh, in Ryzen. Um, I think most have been the first rounds, if I'm correct. Uh, so yeah, he, I mean, he's got uh, 13 knockouts, two submissions, and 11 finishes in the first round, all up on his record. Mm-hmm. The dude's no slouch, man. He's one of the best in the world. Um, I just think that he didn't give me enough credit and enough respect, and I gave him, you know, I, I think I gave him the respect he deserved as a world-class striker. Um but I was confident that stylistically the matchup was the perfect matchup for me to return from injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas I think that um, he didn't show me the respect that I deserved because he didn't believe that I was worth it. And um, and I think that he probably thought that for the last fight on his Ryzen contract, that was the perfect way to go out. Uh, would you rematch him if uh, if Ryzen uh, said we would like you to rematch, whether it's in a lightweight tournament or on a uh, on a just a regular card? A rematch, anyone, man. I, I want to fight the biggest names in the sport. Um, 
And so, as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, he's one of the biggest names in the sport. I mean, he, he put he put a little credit on my name from uh, from that victory. And if they said we want you to fight him again, I'll say yes. I was in the UFC. I got offered seven fights, and I never knocked one of them back. The only fight that never happened was a fight that never happened because of a wrist injury, and it never got announced. But I never say no to anyone, man. It could be the best in the world. You know, or, mm. or the worst in the world. It doesn't matter. I'm just going to say yes to the fight if it's offered to me. So, um, if they offer me that fight again, I'll take that fight again. Okay, I'd like to get into uh, Twitter questions. You have quite quite a few. There was a lot of people who want who who want to know a lot of things from you, uh, Damien Brown. So, um, the first question is from Teep to the Junk. Uh, he asks. Can you, uh, what, did you tri- prepare any differently since these were pride rising rules? So say that again, did uh, I what? Uh, what, did you, did you prepare for the fight any differently, uh, since it was under, uh, pride rising rules? So, you know, soccer kicks, uh, knees uh, to the head, did you, no, did... I, I didn't prepare for the fight differently, but I had my teammates throw soccer kicks, so I didn't sit up in anything silly, um, just by habit, um, so I mean... We included soccer kicks into our into our training uh, and our sparring sessions, but respectfully, mm-hmm. you know, we weren't soccer kicking each other in the next week. It was more of an awareness thing. But other than that, um, no, nah, man, we just we just changed our mindset. So everything we did, we just we just did with an awareness that there was extra rules in there that we could use. Okay, the next question comes from Liam O'Brien, who's at Big Smooth eighty three, and he says this uh, that. Well, let me first. Well, it says that that you called out Johnny Case on Twitter in 2017. Is that true? That is true. Yeah. Okay. Um, was that for Bellator? Or was that for UFC at the time? No, we were both in the UFC at the time, and I just wanted to fight. I know that you know he'd fought in Australia and he'd fought Jake Matthews, and I just thought it'd be a cool fight. No, you know, no hard feelings, no disrespect. I mean, I seen Johnny Case over in Japan and asked him if he wanted to come to Australia and train with me. So. You know, there's there's nothing there more than, you know, that would be a cool fight. And at the time, I was like, you want to fight? So, yeah. Did that fight ever ever get off the ground? Was there anything besides just that uh, that, that friendly call-out? No, it, it was just a Twitter call-out. There was nothing more to it. The UFC never... You know, the UFC's funny, man. They never really they never really follow up on any of that. You could have two guys that are the best in the world that want to fight each other, and they'll match you up against someone different. <laughs> <laughs> We don't. So, uh, we don't uh, want to go down that rabbit hole because we'll be here all uh, night talking yeah. about that. Um, next question comes from Darren Murphy at Darren Two Hundred Five. Uh, he said, uh, "It sounds like you want to have a crack at Takanori Gomi, but seeing as Ryzen and Bellator are having their fighters compete uh, for for both their promotions, is there anyone in the Bellator roster you would like to fight?" Yeah, man. Here's something no one knows. When I was uh, at the back of uh, on New Year's Eve, I um I seen Mr. Scott Coco and I um I asked him if I could fight Patricio Ferreira. Um, Is that Pitbull? He's the Pitbull man. I okay. asked him while we we're at the back. So I said to him, if he wants someone to fight him, I'm the man. Give me a call. But I think he's matched up. So um you know um. I don't, again, you know, there's no hard feelings or anything, but he's he's been on Twitter begging for a crossover fight between Ryzen and Bellator, mm-hmm. and um, talking about how all the other champs get to fight on Ryzen, and he wants to go, and I'm like, well, you know what, man, 
Let's do it. I mean, he, he's a 145-pound champ, but he he recently said, I'll, I'll fight at 155 just to stay busy. So if he wants if he wants to fight at 155, man, I'm happy to do the same thing Chandler did to him. So. Oh, I was, I was about to say, doesn't he have a brother who fights at 145 or 155? Oh, I got no idea, man. But uh, but he's the 145-pound champ. So Okay. Uh, yeah. So oh, anyway, yeah. I just um, I asked for that fight. Uh, Will was over in Rosin. Okay. Well, just but, um, just curious. To, just curious to know uh, other Bellator names. Uh, you you'll probably say yes to all of them, but I'm just gonna say just put on the record. Brent Primus, would you be uh, interested in fighting him? Fight anyone, man. Yeah, of course I will. Uh, how about Gody Yamaguchi? Hey, I know. I know. I think Brent Primus is managed by Iridium Sports Management, isn't he? Oh, oh, geez, I don't know. Yeah, I think uh, J- J- Jason House would love it if they ring up and offer me a. Offer me to hit one of these guys again. It's a funny little, uh, it's a funny little rivalry we got going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, another opponent I think would be great for you, uh, Gody Yamaguchi. Yeah, that'd be a cool fight. That'd be a very interesting submission because you both guys are are well versed uh, on grappling and on the ground. It'd be. Look, uh, I think people sleep on my submission game, man. I mean, I've won fifty percent of my victories have come by submission. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think that people sleep on it. Because of my last few fights, I've striked. So, uh, next question we have is from Arman Yunus. Uh, handle at Arman Yunus. Um, he said that. Uh, oh, apparently both you and Johnny Case are looking to fight Gomi next. Is there any possibility yeah, that you'd be willing to fight Johnny Case, and whoever wins gets to fight Gomi next? Well, I mean. I'm assuming Johnny Case is the same as me, and we're both hoping to be in the Grand Prix. So mm-hmm. I think there's a chance that I'll, I'll end up fighting any lightweight on their roster at the moment. So mm-hmm. um, we'll see what happens. Actually, and the next question is about the Grand Prix, and this is from uh, Blue Eyed uh, Blue Casval. Uh, the handles at MMA underscore is, and they said, uh, "Oh, he first first he says uh, for for the great fighter, for the great fighter." Um, he, uh, you, uh, you called out, uh, Gomi Takanori, uh, but still a lot of Ryzen fans want to watch you fighting in the Grand Prix, uh, incoming. Which one would take priority? Would you rather fight Gomi or the, or, or be in the Grand Prix? No, I mean, this, you know, this is about a business, man. It's about making money and, um, the Grand Prix is definitely going to hold more, more value to me, um, than... Then fighting Gomi, so um, I would definitely fight in the Grand Prix before I fought Gomi. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so you said that you have four more fights on your uh, contract with Ryzen at this point? No, only one. Oh, one, only one. Oh, okay. Um, well, uh, hopefully now that but you can get that extended now with this whole with this win. I'm hoping. Yeah, well, I hope so. That's that's the plan. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. And uh, do you have anything, uh, uh, any other fights or anything else upcoming that you want uh, fans to know about? No, not really, man. Um, you know, maybe the fans would give a little push for me to have a crossover fight. I wouldn't mind fighting for Bellator um, while I wait for the Grand Prix to kick off in the middle of the year um, so I can stay busy. I mean, I'm, I missed out on a fair bit with those injuries and that. I fought three times in two years. So I'm definitely, I'm definitely keen to... Um, to have another fight between now and then. Mm. Uh, the one, the very last question the guy asked is, did you get a chance to see the? Uh, oh, 
Sorry, uh, Damien's son. You're is ma- no, you're right, man. Go for it. <laughs> Damien's son's making a, a guest appearance on this show. Um, yeah. uh, did you get a chance to see Let the Floyd know. Mayweather versus Tension Nasakawa match? And if you did, what are I your thoughts see- on that? I did see that matchup. I don't think it was fixed. I mean, why, why would you fix a matchup and let an American come over and destroy your superstar in like two minutes? There's no way you fix a match like that. You know, it's crazy. I don't so, even... Um, oh, God. I don't... But, like, I mean, like, like well, it's, I don't know, man. It really shows the character of Mayweather, doesn't it? I mean, you've got 30 pounds on a dude and, you, and 20 years and you come over here and absolutely destroy him in two minutes. Like, you know, it's an exhibition bout. Like, give the people an exhibition bout. I don't know. It, it, to me, I just find it... I find it crazy that he would even come and do that. It just shows the true character of a human being. Well, I, I think it's I think it's more. I was more upset over the fact that he. That I think he left the arena and came two hours before his actual match. He apparently he was shopping in Ginza, from what I heard. Yeah, yeah. He just turned up, didn't warm up, and got straight into it. So. While everybody else was coming out and doing the introductions at the beginning, he was out. You know, doing whatever the hell he was doing. Now that upset me more because it clearly was like a he's above everybody else type thing. Um, yeah, I mean, man, he turned up to that weigh-in show and everything, and he he was just above everyone else. That's exactly what it was. He didn't talk to anyone else. Like none of the fighters could even talk to him. No one got photos with him. No one. Man, man, he just walked in, walked out with his forty entourage, and that was it. Mm. So, um. Yeah, it's it's a weird old situation, the Mayweather situation. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the Mayweather thing was not the most important thing. It was everybody else who was fighting, and that included your fight with uh, Darren Crookshank. And uh, if anybody wants to rewatch it, uh, they can rewatch it on Fight TV. Uh, Damien, I want to give you an opportunity to plug your team, plug your sponsors, um, anybody else that you want to give a shout out to. Yeah, man. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just super grateful for uh, for my team, um, both both my gyms that I train at and uh, and my training partners. I mean, they all know who they are. Um, they they put in endless amounts of hours helping me train in that. And of course, to my sponsors, Australian Sports Nutrition, Confidential Tax and Business Services, uh, Levon Choi, um, French Patisserie, and uh, Windus Express Transport. Um, along with uh, my apparel and equipment sponsor in Engage Industries. I'm, I'm super appreciative of everyone that, you know, puts the time, the money, the effort into me and helps me to, um, you know, make these fights as uh, the best I can. And where where can people reach you um, on your social media? Um, all forms of social media at Beatdown155. Um, everyone can follow me on, on social media, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Great. Uh, Damian Brown, once again, joining us. We would love to definitely talk to you when that Grand Prix happens because I th- definitely think it's something that uh, you have a good chance of winning in. Uh, and coming out thank, the, thank you, man. Coming out the, light, the lightweight champion. I'm assuming it's for a, a championship, not just a trophy this time. Uh, like yeah, it, I got no idea, but we'll see what happens. Um, maybe able to do something like the PFL. Maybe it'll be a $1 million check uh, for the winner. That'd be nice. But, uh, yes, uh, Damian Brown uh, got his first win at Ryzen 14 uh, over Darren Cruikshank by guillotine choke. And, uh, Darren, uh, uh, Damian, excuse me, <laughs> uh, I would, you know, we'll definitely love to talk to you when, the next, uh, when your next fight uh, comes up. Let's do it, man. Let's do it.
Great. And, uh, uh, yeah, uh, thank you, and uh, I hope you have a great day now. Thank you, man. Okay. Have a good one. I enjoy your weekend. Take care. You too.